Good morning. It's 11 minutes before 8 a.m. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, December 28, 2022. I'm Peter Apathy with Raven News. When the Sitka Assembly met last night, it approved several updates to rules concerning summer vendor and vehicle permitting at Harrigan Centennial Hall. Two weeks ago, the Assembly voted to change the process for obtaining commercial permits at the city building that serves as the primary pickup and drop-off point for cruise ship passengers in the summer months. The new rules required businesses to bid for vendor and outfitter spots outside the building instead of paying a flat fee and established annual permit rates for commercial vehicles like taxis and buses. Last night, it approved several changes to the new code. It voted to eliminate the permit fee for electric vehicles and voted to increase the fee for large vehicles with 30 or more passengers from $1,000 to $2,000. It also voted to change the permit period for commercial spaces from one to three years and update the bidding process from sealed bid to open bid. Some of these amendments passed unanimously, but the permit fee increase for buses narrowly made it to second reading on a three-to-three vote, with Assembly members Kevin Mosier, Chris Yastad, and Mayor Stephen Eisenbeis opposed. All four amendments will need to earn a majority of the Assembly's support on second reading at its next meeting on January 10th. We'll have more coverage of the Sitka Assembly meeting on Raven News tonight at 518. Sitka firefighters responded to a garage fire late Christmas Eve, but damage from the event was limited. Dane McFadden with the Sitka Fire Department says the initial alarm came in about 20 minutes before midnight on Saturday, December 24th, that a garage in the 500 block of Arrowhead Street was burning. Five firefighters responded to the scene and quickly contained the blaze. McFadden says there was smoke damage to the garage and its contents and fire damage in the corner of the room, which was burning. The cause of the fire is undetermined. Former Sitka Assembly member and educator Rebecca Hemshoot will take office as the District District 2 House Representative in the state legislature in January. District 2 includes Petersburg, Sitka, Yakutat, Craig, Huna, Cake, and much of Southeast Alaska. Hemshoot, who is an independent, will be replacing Representative Jonathan Christ Tompkins, who held the position for 10 years. Christ Tompkins is a Democrat. Hemshoot visited Petersburg over the holidays with Christ Tompkins and held office hours to hear from residents. She spoke with KFSK's Rachel Cassandra at the end of her visit. To work so hard on something and to put so much effort in and then to have the outcome that you're looking for is obviously really rewarding. My brother says it best. He says, you're looking a little bit like the dog who chased the car and caught it. And I do kind of feel like that, like uh, it's, it's a lot to figure out what happens next. But I think the best part of campaigning was I feel like I have a pretty good sense of what's happening around the district. And I know that I don't know the communities as well as someone who lives there, but I know the people to talk to in the communities. And so I feel prepared in that way, but I still have a lot to learn. So meaning when an issue comes up, you now have the phone numbers that you need to call to find out more? Correct, yeah, and um, people have been really gracious in helping me get up to speed. So when something comes up, or even better, when a community brings something to my attention, I'll know who to call in other communities to get more background, and if something comes up at the state level, I'll know who to reach out to. So that legwork, I think, is going to really pay off, but I'm going to be the first to say I have a lot left to learn. 
And I know you've been talking with folks in Petersburg. Tell me what those conversations were like. As far as issues that have come up during office hours, it's continuous across the district, and Petersburg is no different. Daycare, housing, ferries, and ferries would be the number one across the district. So very clear what people in Southeast are asking for. Do you have ideas in your head about how you'll start to look and represent about those issues? No, actually, I'm going to say I don't have clear ideas in my head. I think this first year especially, I need to go and I need to participate. I need to learn. And if someone is sponsoring a bill and I can co-sponsor with them, I'll gladly do it. And then I have ideas of where to learn more because there's, you know, task forces here in Petersburg working on really important issues and making really good headway. And then in Sitka, we've also begun to dig into some of these issues. And those are the, as the two biggest communities in the district, there's a lot of capacity to figure out local solutions and then maybe to direct to the state what a statewide solution is. And so I'll be ready to hear what people come up with at the local level. So you start, oh, January 17th. Yeah. What else do you need to do to prepare before then? The list feels endless and it's growing. There's just a lot to learn. And I'm pleased to say that I've hired someone who fishes in the off season. And so he'll be my staffer during session and then he'll be back out on the waters of Southeast. And he's a a Juno fisherman who's been to a lot of my communities with his boat. So finding staff, finding a place to live, there's all that. But then there are stacks and stacks and stacks of things to read to help me get up to speed. And so I'm going to take a few days over winter break and the holidays to just maybe sit in the recliner with some hot chocolate and just dig in a little bit. And it'll feel really good to to focus on one thing for a little while. I I can imagine it's really hard not to get overwhelmed. Oh, I'm just sipping from the fire hose all the time. I mean, you've been to Petersburg several times before. Did you learn anything about the community on this visit that surprised you or, or shifted your perspective on anything? Petersburg exemplifies the Alaskan spirit. You have a lot of can-do people willing to work hard, and I just deeply admire that. So I I really, really enjoy this community and and want to continue to build a bridge and get to know the community and the people in it even more. That was former Sitka Assembly member Rebecca Hemshute speaking with KFSK's Rachel Cassandra. Hemshute will take office as the District 2 representative in the state legislature in January. An eight-bridge project over the Good River near Gustavus has finally drawn to a close. It's part of a national fish passage program that received $40 million in last year's federal infrastructure law. As Coast Alaska's Angela Denning reports, the project in southeast Alaska should help juvenile fish maneuver through the waterway. The land around Gustavus doesn't stay still. It's constantly rising from what's known as isostatic rebound. Basically, as a nearby glacier retreats, the pressure on the land lessens and it rises. The land in Gustavus is rising faster than anywhere else in the world, about an inch a year. It's been doing that for 200 and whatever years. Since the mid-1700s, to be more precise. Mike Halbert is a longtime fishing guide in Gustavus. I've been fishing there for 30 years, so being three, four, five feet of difference. And and you can see it on charts since it was charted in the 60s. The rising land is one reason the federal government spent the last decade fixing eight bridges over the Good News River and its tributaries. The funding comes from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service's National Fish Passage Program, which received $3.5 million for Alaska projects in the bipartisan federal infrastructure law. 
the Good River runs from Glacier Bay National Park to Icy Straits. In recent decades, while the land continued to rise, so did the metal culverts. But the streams kept cutting into the land, causing the culverts to overhang the water. That's a problem when they're home to salmon, dolly varden, and cutthroat trout. If the uh, water was where it came out of the culvert, if it was creating a waterfall, they considered it a hindrance for the, uh, the young coho to move upstream. They'd be reluctant to jump, unlike the adult. Halbert says the Good River doesn't have a lot of fish in it. It isn't nearly as big as the nearby Salmon River, where most locals and tourists go. The Good River is small and runs along roads past town and through a mudflat. Another local, fly fishing guide Natalie Vax, says mostly kids fish the Good River for salmon and trout. Kids catching cutthroats and dollies and pinks and silver on that little culvert side ditch thing on the side of the main road. There are a few spots where sometimes fish do gather. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service hopes the new bridges will allow more fish to spawn in the smaller stream. U.S. Assistant Secretary of the Interior, Shannon Estenos, oversees fish, wildlife, and parks. These projects are all about kind of what the name suggests, removing barriers to flow, removing barriers to fish passage, um, often updating either outdated or malfunctioning infrastructure that are impeding fish passage. Estenos is a civil engineer. She says when engineers are designing infrastructure like culverts and bridges, they can't always predict what will happen decades later. Sometimes the material fails or outlives its useful life. But the fish passage projects aren't just about saving fish, she says. They often fix multiple problems at once. Um, I'm finding as I'm traveling across the country that we might be helping fish, but we're often also improving flood protection or we're making it safer for folks to paddle the river to, you know, um, fish on the river as well. And apparently this has been a, an ancillary benefit for the good rivers. Fishing guide Mike Halbert doesn't see the local bridges making much difference for his industry, but he says it's a huge improvement for traffic across the waterways. And he says it's also provided jobs for road workers building the bridges. Obviously, the people that are working on the construction is a big benefit. The infrastructure law included $600,000 for the Good River's final bridge. The entire fish passage project totaled $1.76 million. Other fish passage projects in Alaska that received federal infrastructure funding included $1.3 million for the Little Tonsina River in the Valdez Cordova borough and $1.6 million for the Tyonic Creek on the Kenai Peninsula. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Metlakatla's ailing power grid got a boost on Monday after a new generator arrived, allowing authorities